Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Dave and Kath. That was um, really helpful. Thank you. Um, we are into the second week of our new series, Prioritising His Presence, Prioritising uh, Jesus' Presence, God's Presence, the Holy Spirit's Presence. Before I get into um, our subject for this week, uh, on Thursday, at the start of the latest lockdown, I was praying with a friend. And as we were praying... I um, was just reminded of the importance of fellowship, the importance of being with other believers, of praying with other believers, and how hard that is right now anyway. And then a lockdown comes along and makes that even more difficult. As we were praying, I just felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to look again at Ginny Bergen's prophecy from 2008, which we've mentioned several times through this whole um, year of 2020 and all of its challenges. And I was reminded again of, of what this is all for, of what God is doing with this shaking of the nation. And that is ultimately to bring people back to him. And we haven't started to see that yet. And so I think in many ways we can expect the shaking to continue um, in one way or another for some time until we do start to see people coming back to him. But also it reminded me therefore of what God is doing in us right now and that is he is calling his people back to him. He's calling his people deeper. It's what we want to do with this preaching series um, and also it's what we want to do with our day-to-day -day lives. And I really just wanted to encourage us before I got into today's preach to just dig into our small groups, dig into our fellowship time with each other. Right now, I think we need to be praying, we need to be supporting one another, we need to be fellowshipping together more than ever. And at Jubilee, small group is part of who we are. Um, most people are in, in the church are in small groups. And so my exhortation is, it does a few points. The, the first is, if you're in a small group, dig in. Dig in. I know... Zoom video calls are hard, especially if, like me, you're still working and you are on Zoom or, or Teams or whatever for most of the day. To then have to do another one um, at the end of the day is, is a hard thing, but it is so worth it. So my encouragement is, please, let's be meeting together. Let's dig in. Let's pray together. Let's support one another through this time. Let's help one another take the time to go deeper with God. And if you're not yet in a small group because you're new to Jubilee or maybe because all of this turmoil, this hiatus started when maybe you were between small groups, my encouragement is please get involved in a small group. It is the way we do church together. It is the way that we experience Jubilee together. And I think there's a couple of things you could do. Um, you could talk maybe to a friend who is in a small group uh, and just get yourself an invite. Or if you are new to the church and you don't yet know anybody uh, well enough to do that, then you can email me. Um, or you can email faith in the office. Uh, the email address for faith is faith at jubileechurchcoventry.org. And my email is exactly the same. It's just James instead of faith. So uh, james at jubileechurchcoventry.org. I would love to help you. Faith would love to help you find a small group. I think it's going to help us through these difficult winter months and help us to keep our minds focused on Jesus. As we were singing earlier, there really is no one like Jesus and I want to go deeper with him. 
So, our subject for the next two weeks, I'm going to be preaching this week and next week, um, is giving up a life of hurry. Now, it's an interesting title, because it assumes two things. Number one, it assumes that we live hurried lives. I wonder if you feel that. And number two, that we might actually want to get rid of the hurry in our lives. So, it raises the question, is hurry a problem for us? There is a third assumption as well, actually, in the title, which is that giving up a life of hurry somehow helps us go deeper in relationship with God. After all, that's what this series is called, Prioritising His Presence. That leading a less hurried life helps us to prioritise His presence. Now, I wonder, is that the case? So the first section of the talk, is hurry a problem? Well, I have a question for you. It's probably quite a good question at the moment. How do you know if you are ill? Well, often something feels wrong. We experience symptoms. Perhaps we look at someone who is well and we realise that we are not so well ourselves. But what if everyone or many people around us, around us are experiencing the same problem? What if things reach pandemic proportions? What if most people, though, are just experiencing mild to medium effects? Then maybe the symptoms are harder to spot. You can keep functioning, but actually you might be dangerous to others and dangerous to yourself. You don't know that you are ill, but you do feel that something isn't quite right. Well, obviously I'm talking about hurry here, but I thought it might be helpful um, as an, to illustrate this, just to talk about my own experience with a recent COVID test I had to take. So uh, a few weeks ago, in fact, about a week before I preached last on our Lessons from Lockdown series, I started to develop what um, I thought was a cold. I was struggling to work out where I'd got the cold from because I'd been, you know, with very few other people. Nevertheless, I started to get kind of some cold-like symptoms. Now, my wife, Sarah, who is an experienced uh, nurse in the NHS, um, was very quick to reassure me that these weren't COVID symptoms I was experiencing. And she showed me a helpful NHS South Warwickshire COVID symptom checker chart that enabled me to measure my symptoms against the symptoms of COVID. And reassure me that indeed it wasn't COVID that I had, that actually looking down the list of symptoms there, it was definitely a nasty cold. However, as the week went on, my cough got worse and the, the cold-like symptoms started to diminish and I thought, I really need to get a COVID test. So I got a COVID test. I went along and um, did the whole sort of COVID test thing. It was very inconvenient for my family because uh, Sarah had to, um, uh, she had to, she wasn't able to go and do a social thing that she was hoping to do. And um, Petra, who's living with us at the moment, wasn't able to go to Nexus that day. It was a Friday. Um, and then on the Sunday morning, just before I was due to preach, I got the email through uh, from, the, uh, from the NHS and the COVID checking system to say, you are in the clear. You haven't got COVID and therefore the symptom checker um, had been correct all along. 
that's an illustration of how you can sort of be ill and how it's useful to be able to sort of work out what symptoms you are actually experiencing. Now, getting back to our case in point this morning, I'm starting to realise that hurry and distraction are actually a huge problem in my life. As I shared in my lesson from lockdown a few weeks ago, being busy for no purpose and without the, um, the positive bit of actually seeing something realised was making me ill. So I thought I'd put together, with a little bit of help from John Mark Comer's book, which we're reading as a companion to this preaching series, this handy symptom checker. So here we go. Hopefully it's up on the screen for you. Um, so I wonder... Are you experiencing regularly stress? I wonder, are you feeling a sort of ongoing, harrying sense of time urgency in your life? Do you find yourself constantly multitasking? Doesn't matter whether you're good at multitasking or not, I'm terrible at it. Um, it doesn't stop me trying. Maybe you're experiencing a kind of continuous struggle and unremitting attempt to accomplish more and more things or participate in more and more stuff in less and less time. I've been in Zoom meetings recently where I have noticed people in the Zoom meeting on other Zoom meetings at the same time. Or actually, the other thing that I'm noticing is if you're on Teams, there is a chat function. And in the chat function, there's like another meeting going on. You know, there's a conversation going on. And there's all this chat going on on the side. It's like two meetings going on at once. It's exhausting. Living fast. High-speed talking, high-speed eating. I am a terrible fast eater. I eat far too fast. And I'm just at the moment trying to go, slow down, James. Enjoy your food. All of this can lead to a declining quality of work. It can lead to tiredness. That won't surprise you looking at this list. Eventually, it can lead to serious mental and physical health problems. Now, when we look at this, we start to see that maybe it's not just a few of us who are suffering. Perhaps it's most of the people we know. Some of us have it mildly. Some of us have it at a medium level, and for some of us, we have it so severely, it stops us functioning in a normal way. The other problem is that with so many people suffering with symptoms of hurry sickness, we don't actually know how badly we've got it because the symptoms have developed gradually. And there are so few healthy people around us to compare ourselves with, except there is one person that we know who is entirely symptom-free, and that is Jesus. So this morning we're going to look at one episode of Jesus' life to see how he handled the demands that those around him made on him to see what we can learn. Not only will looking at Jesus help us to see if we have a problem, but he might just start to show us a way out, a cure. If, as the title of our talk today assumes, we do actually need to give up a life of hurry. And that giving up a life of hurry helps us in prioritising his presence. 
Let's turn together to Mark's Gospel, um, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. I've got the words up on the screen here. I'm going to read from the New Century Version this morning, uh, but you please do read along in your own Bibles. It gives you a chance to read around it, um, and if you are following on the screen, perhaps I could encourage you to dig into the passage yourself later on. So the context for this um, this account of this incredible episode from Jesus' life is that Jesus has just um, do, uh, just completed the very famous miracle of um, the casting out of the demons in the man in the Gerasenes, and the demons go into the pigs, and the pigs dive headfirst into the lake. This has caused quite an emotion, uh, quite quite a commotion, and the people are excited. When Jesus went in the boat back to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him there. A leader of the synagogue named Jairus came there, saw Jesus and fell at his feet. And he begged Jesus, saying again and again, my daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and will live. So Jesus went with him. Now, one imagines that Jesus immediately stopped what he was doing and left with some urgency. But I don't think there was any urgency, any hurry in Jesus at all. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the following very surprising turn of events recorded in Mark, Matthew and Luke's gospel. A large crowd followed Jesus and pushed very close around him. Among them was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered very much from many doctors and had spent all the money she had. But instead of improving, she was getting worse. When the woman heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his coat. She thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. At once, Jesus felt the power go out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Luke reports it like this. Everyone denies it. Denied it. And you kind of get a sense of the, the gravity of the moment. The fact that there is a pause, a stop. Jesus waits. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. That when, at the start of that last sentence, reads to me more like an eventually. Eventually, the woman realized she couldn't stay hidden. There's no hurry to move on here. Jesus is clearly going to wait until the woman comes forward. He's going to take and make the time to talk to her. Anyway, back to Mark's account. Jesus continued looking around to see who had touched him. The woman, knowing that she was healed, came and fell at Jesus' feet. Shaking with fear, she told him the whole truth. Jesus said to her, dear woman, you are made well because you believed. Go in peace, be healed of your disease. She tells him the whole story and Jesus takes the time to listen. That's how we know all the detail about her that Mark records at the beginning of his account. 
the fact that she'd been bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered so much from so many doctors. She'd spent all her money. She wasn't improving. Things were getting worse. That's how we know all of that stuff, because Jesus listened and she told the story. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of the synagogue leader. They said, Jairus, your daughter is dead. There is no need to bother the teacher anymore. But Jesus paid no attention to what he said. He told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just believe. How relaxed, how easy do those words sound? It's hard to say those words fast. The girl is dead, but there's no urgency. Jesus let only Peter, James and John, the brother of James, go with him. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus found many people there making lots of noise and crying loudly. Jesus entered the house and said to them, why are you crying and making so much noise? The child is not dead, only asleep. But they laughed at him. So after throwing them out of the house, Jesus took the child's father and mother and his three followers into the room that the child was in. Taking hold of the girl's hand, he said to her, Telleth the Kohen, which means, young girl, I tell you to stand up. And at once the girl stood right up and began walking. Everyone was completely amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell people about this. Then he told them to give the girls something to eat. Now, notice what Jesus does when he enters the house. He cuts through the noise. He creates calm in what could be a stress-inducing atmosphere. He removes hurry. He creates space to allow the Holy Spirit to work. There is room to breathe, which is what Jairus' daughter is about to miraculously do. And after she is risen from the dead, he is not in a hurry to move on. Instead, he takes the time to look after the important details too. He says, give her something to eat. Which reminds me of the scene at the end of John's Gospel, when after Jesus had risen from the dead, he took breakfast to the disciples. Yet again, he takes time. He makes space. He says, keep it quiet. Which I suspect is actually for the family's benefit. They need space and calm after this. They don't need to become the celebrity family whose daughter was healed by Jesus. So Jesus is our barometer. He is our health checker. I am realising that compared to Jesus, my life looks unnecessarily hurried. I wonder, what about you? Jesus calls us to follow him. If we obey his call, I believe all of our lives will start to look radically different and much, much healthier. But more on that when we look at some practical application next week.